Spring of Life Fellowship and its pastor, Joaquin G. Molina, invites you to listen to a message of restoration and strengthening for your life. Be a part of the vision, changing the world. Um, we are called to transform the character of men so they could change nations. He digs holes and we transform character. And all of us are doing according to the grace of God that's in our lives and the impact that God has put upon us. So we're ministering the grace we have received. And I'm just excited about, you know, future uh, fruit and harvest that will come from, from, this, uh, from this work. Um, every uh, last penny invested and put in place in that direction is going to have huge harvest and treasure uh, for eternity. And, and we will be one of those churches that God will call good and faithful. We will be one of those churches that, that we're, not, uh, we're not beating the air and, and missing our target. So let's, let's ask God to speak to us tonight. Uh, and we dismiss the children back to Sunday school. We give thanks to God for those world changers that are coming. Every time I talk to these young men, they say, Pastor, I'm a world changer. And uh, they, they mean it. They're serious. And because they have started at such a young age, that their, their impact will be just like Mauricio. Mauricio started when he was nine years old, and he came to our church. And uh, he's gone through his adolescent years, and now he's in the university. And, and I just pray that you keep on to pray for him, uh, to be able to come into his calling and to his purpose. Um, if, if you... If you go with me to Jeremiah, um, I, I don't have any lesser expectation than what the Bible says is the inheritance of our children. They shall be powerful. The Bible says, they, blessed is the man who fears the Lord. His descendants will be mighty upon the land. That's Psalm 112. I have nothing short of that reality as what I'm expecting. And my expectation from the Lord is great. And here, um, he, Jeremiah chapter 1, um, God tells Jeremiah, when he says in verse 7, verse 6, he says, Then I said, All Lord, I cannot speak, for I'm a youth. But the Lord says to him, Do not say that you're a youth, for you shall go to whom I send you. And whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid to look at their faces or the reaction of their faces, for I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. Then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, Behold, I put my words in your mouth. See, I have this day... Uh, set you over the nations and over kingdoms to root out, to pull down, to destroy, to throw out, to build, and to plant. And so there it is what we expect our work to be upon the earth. And nothing less, nothing more than that. And, and God has given us a special grace to walk in, in that understanding. Father, I give you thanks tonight for your mercies in our lives. I give you thanks that if it was not for your mercies, we would have been, we would have perished 
We wouldn't have been able to take the first step. We wouldn't have been able to speak the first word. But you have given us power. You have given us authority. You have given us influence in the world, oh God. And we pray, Father God, with earnest expectation for the fulfillment of all these things in our lifetime, knowing that we were brought forth in this generation and in this season with the specific fulfillment of changing the world, oh God. Wherever we are, we are a force to contend with through your grace, through your wisdom, through your strength. And we just pray, oh God, that the spirit that raised Christ from the dead would just fill our lives so that we also might rise up in a mighty uh, conviction to your word, to your instruction, that we might walk every day for the fulfillment of the call of God from our mother's womb, to walk in the power and the fulfillment of your desire upon the earth. We have nothing that we desire upon the earth but you and the fulfillment of the plans that you have for us, O oh God. Things eyes have not seen, things that ears have not heard, things that have not arisen in the hearts of men, the things you have prepared for those who love you. And we desire to walk in these good works and that that would be our meditation day and night without restraint, without limitations. And that would be our expectation that you would do exceedingly abundantly and way above all that you have promised and have declared upon our lives. Father, raise up the church in this day and age to be a powerful witness, a glorious bride without spot and wrinkle as you continue to perfect us and call us forth to rise and to shine in our generation. And let your word abound in our hearts that we not sin against you, O God. And we glorify your name in everything that happens. And we give you thanks. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Preachers have said that the expectation a man has in his heart is the breeding ground for the miracles that will take place. The expectation that has risen in your heart is the breeding ground for the miracles that will take place in your lifetime. And the reason is, is that expectation makes you to wait upon the fulfillment of God's promise. When you do not have expectation, you're not waiting around for anything. When you do not have expectation, you're not praying for the fulfillment of that which you expect. I love to see John Davis and Julie now expecting a child. And everything that happens day to day until the fulfillment of that reality is a joy and it's an excitement and it's a, it's a moment by moment development. Why? One reason. They have expectation. They're expecting what they're waiting for. When you don't have expectation, you do not pray, you do not wait. And worst of all, you do not prepare. When you're not expecting anything from the Lord, there's no preparation involved. And a lot of preparation needs to be involved for those of us who are expecting great things from the Lord. I can tell you we spend every second of every day with the preparation of the fulfillment of God's promises at a huge degree. Usually when you don't have expectation, you do not prepare. You have nothing to line up. You have nothing to look forward to. When you do not have expectation, you're not looking in the direction of that which you expect. In the Greek word, the word expectation actually means to look in the direction of that which you are expecting. So you give attention to that which you expect. 
You don't lose focus. You don't lose, you're not distracted in its development. In the book of Acts, chapter 3, the Bible says, verse 2, that there was a certain lame man from his mother's womb was carried. It says, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called the beautiful, to ask for alms from those who entered the temple. Verse 3 says that this certain man who sat there, when he saw Peter and John were about to go into the temple, he was asking them for alms. And fixing his eyes on him uh, with John, Peter looked in his direction and told the man, look at us. As soon as the man looked in Peter and John's direction, there began to develop in his heart this expectation we see in verse 5. So he gave them his attention. And he began to expect to receive something from them. And I'm asking tonight, and I know that in my heart there's great expectation. And, and sometimes when we're talking and living these things out and fulfilling them and traveling in the direction of what we have expected from the Lord, people think we are aliens. Why are these guys with the expectation of changing the world? Because God fulfills his promises. God knows that he is not one to promise and not fulfill what he has promised. When we don't have expectation, the symptomology is we become distracted. The symptomology of no expectation is the loss of our peace. The, the symptomology and the fruits of having lost expectation is that they're not a movement toward the direction of that which we're expecting. And this is greatly seen in the book of Habakkuk with the prophet who because he had no expectation from the Lord, he thought God was taking too long and doing nothing. But expectation allows you to live the time of God in preparation, in prayer, looking in the direction, not losing your patience, waiting attentively for the fulfillment of what God promises. Habakkuk 1 verse 2, he says, How long, Lord, Shall I continue to cry and you're not even paying attention? Even I cry out that things are out of order and you will not save. This is not the heart of a man that has earnest expectation. Expectation allows you to wait upon the Lord. In verse 3 he says, why are all these things taking place? Why is everything falling the way it does? Verse 3. Why do you show me things out of order and cause me to see trouble? For plundering and violence are before me. There is strife and contention that arises in my heart. When you're steadfast in an earnest expectation, you know that it's just a matter of time before God brings forth his righteousness. Verse 4, he says, your authority, your, your matter of influence and order are no longer existence. You have no power. Justice never goes forth. Righteousness is not revealed. For the wicked surround the righteous. Therefore, perverse judgments proceed. Again, all this is an infection of toxic loss of expectation. And you don't want to find yourself in this mindset. The word expectation in the Greek is sometimes defined or is, is said prodokeo. Prodokeo means you're looking forward and your mind is on that which you are expecting. A lot of times in our Hispanic culture, we are expecting bad things. We're expecting things to, to fall in, to cave in, and to no longer come about. What are your expectations tonight? How do we develop 
godly expectations? How will we walk in an expectation which does not restrain and limit the Lord in what we're waiting for? Many times we lose the ability to dream. In fact, we're not expecting anything to be different. In John chapter 3, verse 15, it says that they were all waiting for Jesus Christ to come upon the land. And the people were in expectation, and all men mused in their hearts of John whether he was the Christ or not, whether he was the one that they were waiting for. They were expecting the Messiah to come in on the scene. Philippians 1.6, Paul is in a very precarious place. He's in jail. And he says, I know that even though I'm in an adverse situation, that's not where my expectation lies. I'm confident of this very thing, that God has already started a good work, and he will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Being in that, in that dark, somber place, he had no concern about what was going on the outside. He even says, some people are, are desiring my demise in this place. They're desiring that I'm, I must have done something wrong, and they were preaching the gospel, even hoping that, that, that Paul would have his due to come to him. So in that chapter 1, he talks about those that are preaching the gospel out of context. It says like this, um, in verse... I'm going to get it right now. Verse 19, some indeed preach Christ even from envy and strife and some from goodwill. The former preach Christ from a selfish ambition, not sincerely supposing to add affliction to my chains, to, to rub me wrong, but the latter out of love, knowing that I'm appointed for the defense of the gospel. The context of him being in jail for some was a matter to he's going to get his due and, and he's done something wrong. And then for others, they were preaching out of love in the defense of the gospel. And he says, it doesn't matter. What should we say about this? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is being preached. And this I rejoice. Yes, I will rejoice. And in verse 20 is where I, I highlight the, the heart and character of a faithful disciple. Where he says like this, he says in, in verse Philippians 1.20, he says, according to my earnest expectation and my hope that in nothing, doesn't matter what happens, it's not destined for my shame. It doesn't matter what the circumstances are. My expectation is it's not going to come in an adverse situation to my shame, but with all boldness. What I expect at serious levels from the Lord, as always being bold, so now also in Christ, I will be magnified. It doesn't matter whether I live or I die. And I'm wondering how our expectation reduces and is watered down based on the circumstances. When it should be all the more increased, all the more as, as adversity sets in. When you have an expectation that's sown into your heart, and I pray that today God place you in the place where your expectation from the Lord is full blast. No matter what is happening, it's working out for the good of his glory and his purpose. And he even goes as far as to saying, even in my chains I rejoice because my expectation is not that I'm going to be put to shame. 
my expectation in all boldness as I always posture myself and now also Christ, in Christ, I will be, um, he will be magnified in my body whether by life or by death. It doesn't matter what's taking place in my life, in my purpose, in the situations, God is involved. Acts 8.19 says, the entire um, creation is earnestly expecting, it's earnestly expecting the, the all of creation. Let's uh, go to uh, 28. I'm sorry, Romans 8.19. Romans 8, 19. All of creation is earnestly expecting the sons of God to be revealed. That, that what, you're, what is in their hearts is that, that, that your purpose in God, just like Jeremiah, just like Paul, that your purpose in mind would be revealed in the light of God's plan. A lot of times we're seeing uh, men like uh, 2 Kings chapter 7. The story is about four lepers that had no hope in any direction. In, in uh, 2 Kings 7 verse 3. Now there were four leprous men at the entrance of the gate. And the one said to another, why are we sitting here until we die? Why is there no expectation in our heart for any resolution to our situation? If we say we will enter the city, the famine is in the city, and we shall die. If we sit here, we shall also die. Now, therefore, come, let us surrender to our enemies. If they keep us alive, we shall live. And if they kill us, we shall only die. Their expectation was something's got to give. There's something that has to be resolved in the midst of this uh, onerous situation. Verse 5, and they rose at twilight. And they went to the camp of the Syrians. And when they had come to the outskirts of the Syrian camp, to their surprise, no one was there. For the Lord had caused the army of Syria to hear the noise of chariots and the noise of horses, the noise of great armies. I believe that when there's expectation in our heart, God moves in our direction. God begins to do things that are crazy when you're expecting on him to show up in a crazy manner. And they rose up, they said, and when they drew near to the camp, the enemies took off. So their chariots, as a great noise and a great army, so they said to one another, Look, the king of Israel has hired against us the king of the Hittites and the king of the Egyptians to attack us. Therefore, the Syrians rose up and fled at twilight, and they left the camp intact, their tents, their horses, their donkeys, they fled for their lives. And when these lepers came to the outskirts of the camp, they went into one tent and ate and drank and carried the silver and the gold and began to wear the clothing. And they went and they hid themselves. And they hid some of the stuff. Then they came back and entered another tent and carried some more off. It's amazing when we, when we get a little expression of the provision of God. They started hiding it just in case it runs out. Again, the expectation of loss. And the Bible says that in that moment, verse 9, it says that they, they talked to each other and they said, let us return. Let us return to the camp lest the judgment of God comes upon us. But there was something else that was taking place in that camp. And I, I want to go there briefly 
to 2 Kings chapter 7, verse 1. The description of what was taking place, that, that pretty much other people were listening to other voices, and it was causing their expectation to famine, to grow relinquished. There was no showing up in this resolve. Let's read verse 1. It says, and Elijah said, this is, this is Elijah, and he's speaking the word of the Lord. Hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Lord says. Tomorrow, about this time, there's going to be so much flour. There's going to be so much barley at the gate of this city. The announcement of the promises of God, I want to, I want to challenge that your expectation is tiny, few, and indifferent because you're not hearing from God. You have no expectation from the Lord. You have no spiritual inheritance in the things of God. You haven't asked God, God, what am I here on the earth to do? What are my children here to do? What is the inheritance? I want to tell you it's great. We have the prodigal son with the expression of a mantle, with expression of, of kill the fatted calf, uh, um, uh, shod his feet with, with shoes, Put a ring on his finger, give him authority, give him a resemblance of open gates at the city. And here these guys are hearing the word of the Lord, but they're surrounded by, by this voice in verse 2. At the, at the revelation, at the, at the issuance and utterance of the word of God, there's an officer on whose hand the king leaned. This is, this is what was supporting the king. And he leaned on a man that answered, the man of God. Somebody that responded contrary to the word of the Lord. Look, even if the Lord made windows in heaven, this is never going to happen. This is not the time to surround ourselves in these days by people who doubt the power and the goodness and the grace of our God. Because I believe God is going to do things way, 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 way beyond what he has promised. Way, 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 way beyond what we've been declaring for 15 years. And many have come and they have laughed and many have mocked and many have said this. Even if God were to make windows into heaven, is this really going to come to pass? And he said, in fact, the man of God, you will see it with your eyes, but you will not eat. You're not going to participate. You're not going to be a part of what God is declaring upon the land. Why? Because your heart is shrunk. Your heart is indifferent. You have apathy. You have unbelief. You have the seeds, the cares of this life choking the life of God out of you. And so he says, you will see it in fact. It's going to be at a distance where you will, you will see these things come to pass, but you will not participate. And that's where it gets into the four lepers in the next verse. Sometimes God has to use people that have nothing. God has to use people who have no hope but only God. Who have no desire only to see the mercies of God upon their life. Only have an inheritance in God. While you're serving two gods, you will hate one and despise the other. As you love one, you despise the other. As you worship one, this is, this is what's happening in South America with idolatry. It renders the word of God by their traditions to be void. They don't see God. They don't hear God. I had a gentleman last night telling me um, 
My kids need to eat, and that's better than the blessing of the Lord. And I was like, you have no clue what you're saying. If you had the blessings of the Lord, you would own this parking lot. God would inherit those things that he has laid up for you. And so here it is, sure enough, that the developments happen. The lepers are the ones that go out. And they're the ones that I want to, I want to share for however degree and measure that was in their heart. I want to say that what moved them in the right direction was the expectation that filled their heart. And there cannot be a, a receiving of anything. Uh, faith is dead without expectation. This is why preachers say that expectation is the groundwork for miracles. Because you're not going to receive what you're not expecting. You're not going to get what you're waiting for. I thank God that I expected an excellent wife. You could say amen. amen. I didn't sell out for any cheap imitation. My expectation from the Lord was a godly woman. A woman that would fear the Lord. A woman that would raise my children. So that expectation causes you to pray all the more intensely. All the more uh, fills your heart with, with great faith and waiting upon God. And here it was that, that when the time came for these individuals. In verse 19. It says that as the lepers came into the city. And we could read that. Um, This starts in, in verse, verse 9. Then they said to one another, we're not doing right. This day is a day of good news. This is the day that we should not remain silent. If we wait until light, some punishment will come upon us. Now therefore, come let us go and tell the king's household. So they went and called to the gatekeeper of the city. And so they said, we went to the uh, Syrian camp, and surprisingly, no one was there. And uh, not a human sound, only horses and donkeys. And the tents were intact. And the gatekeepers called out, and they told it to the king and his household inside. It says there that uh, the king arose in the night and said to his servants, let me now tell you what the Syrians have done to us. They know that we are hungry, therefore they have gone out to the camp to hide themselves in the field, saying, see, this is again, this is the, the, the issue of no expectation. God is not going to bless us. He's not going to prosper us. This is going to go downhill quick. There's an ambush waiting for us. We're going to perish. We better move outside. We better move far from any possible great expectation and as soon as we go there they're going to catch us and we'll be alive and and be in the city one of the servants answered and says please let several men take five of the remaining horses which are left in the city look they may either become like all the multitude of israel that are left in it and indeed i say they may become like all the multitude if israel left from those who are consumed so let us send them and see Therefore, they took two chariots with horses, and the king sent them in the direction of the Syrian army and says, go and see. And they went out uh, after them to the Jordan. And indeed, all the Syrians had thrown away in their haste. So the messengers returned and told the king. And it says, uh, what happened and plundered the tents of the Syrians. 
so that the wheat, I mean the barley and the flour was sold according to the word of the Lord. The accomplished word of God was being fulfilled. And the king had appointed the officer on whose hand he leaned to have the charge of the gate. He was going to allow people to come in and out. He was already keeping people out of the provisions of God by his lack of expectation. But the people trampled him in the gate and they died just as the man of God had said who spoke when the king came down to him. So it happened, verse What is it, 19? So it happened just as the man of God had spoken to the king. Verse 19. Then that officer had answered the man of God said, Now look, if the Lord would make the windows happen, could such a thing be? And he had said, In fact, you will see it with your eyes, but shall not eat. Verse 20. So it happened to him, for the people trampled him in the gate, and he died. We we need to find out what God has said about our families. We need to find out what God has said about our church. We need to walk in the manner of preparation. A lot of uh, the people here at church are saying, if God is going to move so greatly upon the earth, we need to start learning different languages. We need to start perfecting our Spanish. We need to start articulating and be able to communicate. We need to be setting things aside to be able to participate with the plans God has for us. In 2 Kings chapter 13, a couple of chapters down the road, the Bible says in verse 14 that Elijah had become sick with an illness of which which he would die. The prophet was sick. And Joash, the king of Israel, came and down to him and wept over his face and said, Oh, my father, my father, the chariots of Israel and their horsemen. Verse 15. Elijah said to him, This is a a dying prophet on his bed. And the king comes over and is asking for help. He's asking for reinforcements. He's asking for strength. He's asking to be able to fight the battles of the Lord. And the prophet says, take a bow and some arrows. So he took himself a bow and some arrows. Verse 16. Then he said to the king of Israel, put your hand on the bow. So he put his hand on it. And Elijah put his hands on the king's hands. Verse 17. And he said, open the east window. And he opened it. Then Elijah said, shoot. And he shot. And he said, the arrow of the Lord is deliverance and the arrows of deliverance from Syria. You must strike the Syrians at this hill till you have destroyed them. Verse 19. No, verse 18. Sorry. Then he said, take the arrows. So he took them and he said to the king of Israel, strike on the ground with the arrow, and he struck three times and stopped. That's not an issue because some of us would not even participate in this regards. But the Bible says in verse 19 that the man of God was angry with the king of Israel and said, why'd you stop? What, what made you run out? God is God giving you the ingredients for great deliverance And here you go and strike three times. Here you go and slow down. Here you go and you're not excited about what God has said. You should have struck five or six times so that God would have stricken your enemy Syria and you had destroyed it. But now you would only be victorious three times. To the level of your expectation is the level of your victory. To the level of what you're expecting from the Lord is what you're going to see. 
It was funny in Acts chapter 12, verse 11, the entire church is praying for Peter to come out of prison. You know that their true expectation, and Pastor Rivera has preached on this in this times. They were praying for deliverance from a prison without expectation in the heart. And when Peter finally had come out of prison and the Lord allowed him to get out, he went to the door and he knocked. Now I know for certain. Is that verse Acts 12? Let's go ahead and look for it. Yeah. Now I know for certain that the Lord has sent his angel and has delivered me out of the hand of Herod and from all that the evil people expected. Because just like we expect powerful things, there are people expecting this church to close down. There are people expecting for us to become a mockery, for us to run out of zeal. Listen to me. It's impossible that the man who sowed the seal in this body would not cause it to come to pass. The grace of God that's in this house is supernatural. We should have thrown in the towel many years ago. But we refuse. We, we, we have seen incredible valleys, incredible famines, incredible battles. And it only excites us with the faithfulness of God. Because great is our expectation in the Lord. And I've told people, listen, I might die and never see the world change. But I know it's going to change in the lifeline of the children we're lifting up. They have more zeal than I do. They have caught the vision. They have embraced it. They have paid a, a great price. And I'm excited. And so he says, God has truly delivered me from the hand of Herod. And truly the church that's praying for me, I bet they can't wait to see me show up. In verse 15, or we can keep on reading verse 12. So when he had considered, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark. And there were many there gathered to pray. There were many in the service. Verse 13. And so Peter knocked at the door, and at the gate came a girl named Rhoda who answered the door. Verse 14, she runs back. She recognizes Peter's voice. She, she is glad. She did not open the gate, but ran back to announce Peter was standing at the gate. Verse 15, you're nuts. You're crazy. You must be beside yourself. But she kept on insisting. That it was like she was saying. So they said, it has to be some other manifestation. You must have seen an angel. God could not truly bring to pass what we're praying for. Verse 16. And Peter continued knocking. And when they opened the door, they saw him and they were astonished. Example of not having an earnest expectation of what you're praying for. Even when it was at the door knocking, they said, don't get the door. That's not him. I wonder if the door is knocking. And I wonder why you haven't answered. In Acts chapter 28, verse 6, evil people have an expectation of our demise. And the Bible says here that they were expecting that he would swell up and fall down and die. And when evil people are expecting the negative to take place, I want to uh, challenge you what's in your heart as an expectation of what God is going to do. And as they looked upon him for a long time, 
This is, this is part and parcel of carrying expectation in your heart. It causes you to not be distracted. You are gazed upon what God has put in your heart for it to come to pass. And they saw no harm came to him. And they changed their, their mind and said he was a God. In fact, God was with him. It is supernatural that he didn't die. It's supernatural that our expectation did not fall upon him. Matthew 24, 44, he says like this, Therefore you also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming in an hour you do not expect. I want to challenge you that one of the greatest expectations we have in our lives, other than, than changing the world, the restoration of our family, the restoration of our marriage, the, the seeing our kids just do way above what other people are expecting. Uh, I was at the dentist at the age of 12 when they said, this guy's not going to grow anymore. I thank God I had other expectations in my heart. Amen? I didn't stay at five foot tall like my grandmother. Uh, uh, the, the, a couple of years ago, the expectation the school system had for Jonathan, he'll never be able to, to, uh, to increase and survive. And he's an honor student, straight A's. He says, Pastor, just one B, I'm sorry. His expectation far surpassed those people that were in his life until he comes to God. And so therefore, you also be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. I'm constantly looking up into the sky, constantly. Titus chapter 2 verse 14 says that there is a glorious appearing that the grace of God that has come upon our lives is actually making, making us participants with. It says, the grace of God that brings salvation. It, it brings, in verse 13, looking forward for the blessed hope and glorious appearing. There's the expectation of his glorious, great appearance that's going to cause us to live differently. It's going to put our investment in different places. It's going to put our priorities in different places. It's going to put our desires in different places if the expectation of the Lord fills your heart. So I pray that in the coming days, as you, as you say, Lord, how, how empty, how empty, how, how much uh, void has filled my life with zero expectation. I'm not moving in the direction of anything that you have promised in my life. I'm not paying a price. I, I was blessed over there in Nicaragua as we did the Lord's Supper at this church. That There was a couple of parents that... that um, that, that were presenting their children to the Lord. And, and the pastor did something that I had never seen in my 30 years. He says, there is no way that you could come and present your babies to the Lord without be bringing a sacrificial offering. That there would be an exchange. That the day God is going to bless your children, that you also carry with you some semblance of an exchange with the Lord. And I'm like, my goodness, we've gone through 30 years of presenting babies to the Lord. Not that the Lord is desiring nothing from us, but the Bible says that Mary and Joseph brought two turtle doves. It was the, off the day they came to present Jesus. They brought a gift of an offering to God. We are so zero. We, we expect nothing from the Lord, and it's expressed in our giving and generosity. As we, as we reach out to other people, I can tell you the day that we were in Mexico and I was moved to, to, to help a little girl with her teeth, I, I wasn't expecting anything from God. I wasn't doing it based on any return. 
I want to tell you that, that I want to live a life full of expectation in everything I think, in everything I speak, in everything I live. That everything would be a gesture to live before God in such a way that there's going to be a powerful outpouring in our lives. I'm going to ask the ushers to come forward to the Lord's Supper. Then I ask God, Lord, allow my heart to be filled with all the promises of what you have promised upon me, upon this church, upon the, the legacy of the things that you have fulfilled. Some people are, are just waiting for the expectation of a heart attack. That's your expectation. You're like, oh my God, is it now? You're expecting cancer to come back. You're expecting you to lose your job. You're expecting you to lose your house. You're expecting a foreclosure. You're expecting to lose a child. I want you to turn those expectations around and say, my God is good. My God is powerful. My God is worthy. And I'm expecting way above what the adversity in my life is telling me. I'm expecting way above what the doctors announce. I love what, what I hear uh, women of faith like Arita. She goes to the doctor and says, listen, you're expected to die. And she says, yeah, but I'm expected to live. Amen. I'm expecting something else from God. Thank you for what you expect. And what do you expect from a, a person who believes not in God, believes not in miracles, believes not in healing? That person has nothing to hope for. He has no hope and no God. And so Habakkuk is is confronted by the Lord with a powerful, he says, you just wait. I can't even tell you what I'm going to do because you're not going to believe it. You're going to ruin it. I'm not even going to tell you what I have planned because you wouldn't even believe it if you saw it, he tells them. So he gets filled with expectation hearing the word of the Lord. In Habakkuk 3, verse 17, he says like this, Now I understand that if the fig tree is not in blossom, nor if I can see fruit on the vines, nor uh, if there's work to be done on the olive and it fails. Though the fields yield no food, uh, food and though the flock are cut off from the fold, they're dying. And there be no herd in the stalls, verse 18. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord and I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. My heritage in God is huge. Why? Because verse 19, the Lord is my strength. I'm not counting on things that are outside in adversity. I have expectation has filled my heart. He will make my feet to be able to, to scale high places. That's deer's feet, for those of you that don't know. And he will make me walk on the high heels. And so I'm going to sing a song to so call out the musicians. Call out the stringed in instruments. I, I pray that, that the expectation of the Lord fills your heart. That what you know your God to do would be what you're waiting for, what you prepare for, what you, what you, the direction you look in. And I can tell you that, that for years, walking into services where there's one person, maybe we had go to, to Mexico and, and just see a handful of people and then just to see them walk away. Go to Nicaragua and be under a hut with three people. And there's nothing, there's no sign of anything. And here, some years later, we're walking into Mexico into the convention center. And it's filled with representations of the government and people who sit on the president's cabinet. And men of God who need what we have. And Nicaragua also, all the school teachers of the region, those that instruct in the Lord. We gave them two messages. We gave them the, the power of a world-changing father and the power of a world-changing mom. 
that they not teach mathematics and science and biology and chemistry, that they teach the fear of God and they instruct the children in the word of God and that they give, they ask God for wisdom, the supernatural application of knowledge to be able to live for his glory. So I know that there's not many people excited. I'm super excited. I'm super excited. We're looking at the invisible. We're looking at the supernatural. We're looking at the faithfulness of God. Father, we give you thanks for this table. Lord, this is enough for us to see that you've given us such a glorious table. This is enough that we might participate with your, the evidence, Lord, the memory of your body and blood. This should revitalize us. This should revive us, oh God. You were faithful to sacrifice the prince of peace. You were able to give the Lamb of God who takes the sins of the world and slay him before the foundations of the earth that we might reign with him, that we might raise up powerfully in a witness to glorify your name before principalities and powers, O oh God, before the heaven's hosts and angels who have seen you, Lord. And here we are participating with this bread and this cup, Lord. Father, make us worthy to participate in a worthy manner, O oh God. Allow us, Lord, to, to remove the counter expectation of diminishing effect of desolation and destruction, O oh God. For you will do greater things, O oh God. Yes, you will do more triumphly in leading us to triumph. More glorious from glory to glory, O oh God. From victory to victory. Bless this table and bless the elements that they would be good to our bodies and they would strengthen us and they would remove sickness and all things that have been put into our hearts and into our spirits, oh God. Remove all spirit of infirmity, oh God, with expectation of decay and rot, oh God. For we know that our inner man is being renewed day by day. We know our hearts are passionate, our spirits are wholesome, oh God. Give us a steadfast spirit, O oh God, and remove, O oh God, every apathy, every confession of destruction, every attitude of defeat, O oh God. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. The Bible says as we participate.